Welcome everybody to the Minimap cast. <laughs> you can't start like that. What if we keep all of that in? <laughs> we just go from talking about the Beatles like to, to talking about the difference between assassination and murder. You can't start the podcast with me saying that. What do you mean? Uh, that's not going to play at all. Because I'm not including that. I'm doing the edit. I'm not including that. Oh, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, this is uh, your weekly source of gaming news questions and impressions from minimap.com.au. My name is Kerry Palmer, and joining me as always is the <laughs> the anti-truther, uh, Jeremy Bratterton. Yeah, the anti-truther, <laughs> the shooter on the grass. You know, it's Jeremy Bratterton. <laughs> you know, Jeremy, before I click the, the play button, before we started talking about the Beatles... I was sitting here going, "How? Much, what are we going to talk about once I introduce the podcast this week? I don't know. <laughs> I'm glad we solved yeah. that riddle. I, I, I'm going to have to do some wild editing on this one. <laughs> I, th- I think there's something there. I think there's something okay. there. I had the thought midway and I'm like, this, this will be fun. And then you <laughs> said that, I'm like, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, uh, before Jeremy. you went away and you turned on your PlayStation 5, Oh, yeah, I did. And you did that for a specific reason. And I'm going to ask this question now at the very top of the show. It is currently... So I can get it ready. Pardon? So I can get it ready and find out the answer to what I was turning it on for? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's Tuesday the 22nd, and this Friday just passed, Horizon Forbidden West came out. You went to work, yes. came home that day, installed it and played it. Jeremy, since then, how much Horizon Forbidden West have you played? Uh, lots. I have played lots of Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, so much so, I'm going to tell you, once I figure out how to get the playtimes up on this. (laughs) He's been saying that he's going to finish it before Elden Ring for the last two weeks, and I've been laughing at him. Oh, so, okay, so, so I have, I am in the story, I'm going to say I am at the three-quarter mark. Yeah, like, it sounded like, from what you were saying before, you're really close. Yes, I am, I am definitely very close. But what's the hour mark? I don't know. How do I find the hour mark on PlayStation? Uh, go to your profile and then in games under your profile, I think. The, the, the way they do this, you know how hard it is for me to find trophies in this game? <laughs> I, on, on, I, sorry, sorry. On the, sorry, in this game. On, no, this, on, this, on this platform. This is funny because I was thinking about talking about how much I hate the Xbox like front UI this episode as well. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, just everything just makes so much more sense on that. Nah, I hate it. It takes it. it takes so many more steps to do anything on this fucking I, console. I, I feel that's your that's right. That's how long it, it it does feel that way for the Xbox. You're right, Jeremy. Before it's you have the right before all. you have the, the the opportunity to respond to that, I'm just gonna press on and do the intro while you figure that out. So uh, if you're unaware, this is minimap.com.au's weekly podcast. We talk about games. Uh you can go there to find this episode of the podcast, every episode of the podcast we've ever done, as well as our other podcasts, uh, like our mini disc game club specials and the game spoilers podcast. Uh, no, that's what mini disc used to be called. And the pecking order is what I meant to say, uh, which is our pop culture kissability ranking podcast. Um, we've also got the occasional uh, written article up there or a review. Uh, if you want, to support the show, you can give the show a positive rating on the podcast service of your choosing. Um, 
You can also go to patreon.com slash minimapau to support us monetarily if you choose to do so. We also wanted to say thank you to Shook for letting us use the Moog Model D improv as the music for the Minimap cast. You can listen to more of Shook's music uh, more of Shook's music at Shook. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Shook.bandcamp.com is the website. Wow, I'm really losing it. Shoot the with the gun. Shoot. 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 Bandcamp.com. Bandcamp. <laughs> Bandcamp. <laughs> uh, please, no one go to Bandcamp.com. Uh, so Jeremy has resorted to checking the in-game clock. So he's he's loading up Horizon on his PS5 through his phone. Yes, I am 19 hours in. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So. Where was I yesterday? I was 12 hours. I don't know. You, I don't think you told us. Right. Yeah. I was, I was 12 hours yesterday. I played eight hours in between today and yesterday. Wow. Um, and that's eight hours of basically nothing but story. Like I, I, did, I did a couple of little side things, but for the most part, I've been mainlining the story. Mm. Mm. Um, I've, I've done very few side quests and even less errands around. Errands? So, huh? Errands. Yeah. Errands. It's a character name, Errand, as well. Yeah. That's why I'm saying errands. Yeah. Like raising my eyebrows as I say it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what do you think of the game, Jeremy? This, this game's here. It's been five years since the last one. You really liked the last one. Yes. So, okay. So, Horizon, Forbidden West. I've, I've learned now. They have said the phrase Forbidden West so many times yep. that it has finally solidified in my mind as the name of the game as opposed to Forbidden Wilds. Yes, which is... Because of... Outer Wilds because and of the, the game's Frozen a- Wilds. Yes, that is exactly why I couldn't internalize it. Um, I've heard so, so many Horizon other Forbidden industry West. people saying the same thing, so I wouldn't feel yeah. bad. No, yeah. Um, this game, I think is excellent great i i didn't think that at the very beginning um which i think is really interesting so i so like i said i'm about three quarters of the way through the story i'm about 19 hours into the game um i have been mostly mainlining the um the story of the game um for two reasons one because i think the story is genuinely good and just like the first game um they give you enough information and the information that they're giving you about the story is good enough for me that I genuinely want to know what is going to happen next immediately. Mm. Um, which is what the first game did as well. There was a part in the first game where something happened in the story where up until that point I was going through side quests and main mission stuff back and forth as I was playing. And then there was a like a, a revelation um, about a third of the way through the game, maybe between a third and a quarter of the way through the game which then made me go, I really want to know what happened next. And basically up after that point, I did nothing but the main story. Is I that was when so you learn about why the why civilization fell? Yeah. So yeah. that's like halfway through the game. Right, okay. That, that um, moment is really far in, in the first game. Like I want to say for me, it felt like it was earlier because I back-ended all of the side stuff, right? I, went, I did all of the side quests and all of the errands and all the stuff way later. Um, yeah. So, like, sort of for me, it was sort of skewed to be earlier in the game. Yeah, um, whereas I did it the exact opposite, where I, I did far too many side quests at the start. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, this but, game has man- managed to do that as, again um, in a way that I'm, I'm really happy with. Um, so the reason I've been doing nothing but the main story is because 
one of the things I heard from a lot of people is that the beginning of the game is it takes quite a while to get into the Forbidden West. It takes a while for you to actually get into the open world section. Um, and a lot of people said, like, look, gun through the main early story stuff so that you can get to the open world and get to the meat of the game. And I think that they should have tightened up the beginning of it. One of the most interesting things about the game is that it starts off almost immediately from the first game. That's cool. It is about f- it is a, it is about 4 months, but basically you don't know really anything uh more right about what happened in between the first game and the second game. Um It's not like the last was part 2 where it's plus 5 years and no, no, all this like stuff in the, the middle the, that you don't get told till later and Yes, yes. So so what happens is uh, after you, this is going to be light spoilers of the first of the first game. Um, you 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 beat the bad, <laughs> and and then you find out that the um, like the, the the what 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 Zero Dawn means in the first game is a it was a program to terraform the world so that the Earth will always be habitable and working, and then something went wrong. And all, like all of the machines that existed around the world um, are there to help keep the balance and sort of do things to help the ecosystem exist and thrive and stuff. Mm. The Zero Dawn program was supposed to make sure that the Earth could continue onwards. Um, and, and that humans had, like, could eight, be like reborn and pick up civilization yes. where it left off. Sort of, yeah. Um, and then that goes badly. Yes, like that goes badly in the first game and stuff, and you have to like make sure that it doesn't like wipe out everything and stuff. You then find out that the Zero Dawn program is not uh, fixed after the first game, and you have to like the mission is actually not over, but they do that in a way where it's not like it was a like haha, it was still going without you knowing sort of thing. It's done in a way where it is uh, a direct result of the of the, of what happens in the first game, specifically what happens with Silence, um, Lance Reddick. Um, who is just excellent, um, as well as things are like part of the Earth is beginning to become over fertile, um, which you see in the trailer with like those red plants that are like scattered through the ground. It is because the the balance is is incorrect. Um, oh. Some things are working, some things are not working, and so it is your job to basically find out why. Um, the very beginning of the game is you going out and trying to find backups of the AI that originally created the Zero Dawn project. And yeah, there's one like to... nine AI that that are housed under the yeah. one umbrella. Yes, yeah, the one umbrella named Gaia, um, and then there are other things. So like Hades is one that's in the first one, and there's other ones like Apollo, Poseidon, etc. It's all after Festus like, the... is in the DLC. Yes. Um, and all of that stuff is brought through as kind of common knowledge in this. They're not, they, they, they reintroduce you to these things because it has been five years and you need that. Yeah. Um, but they bring that through in a way that like, w- the way I liken this, which is a very basic way of likening it to, but I think, it, I think it's a good way to describe it is, do you remember at one point in the MCU when they they just started referring to his infinity stones as infinity stones. And they stopped giving a, like every single time they would talk about infinity stone, they would have to explain what they are because general audience didn't 
totally. at, 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 at some point they didn't feel the need to do that anymore. Or at least they gave the final one in um, the beginning of Infinity War. And then after that, it's like, all right, anybody who actually cares already knows what these are. And we yep. can just talk about these as common objects. They sort of take that approach, which I think is really smart. Um, it, it makes it not feel repetitive. Um, and it sort of gives you a good idea of like the world is still existing with these things going forward. Um, but the beginning of the story is kind of weird because you're, you're traveling to, you go back to Meridian very briefly. Um, you go back to some part, like up a part of the main world of the original horizon. And is um, this sort of linearly, like you're just kind of taken there. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is very strange. Um, because that's not because the map that this game is set in. That's the first game's map. No. Y- yes. Yes. Um, so you go through Meridian very briefly and talk to some people that were in the first game and stuff and you have like some conversations and then like plot happens and you get told to head west. Um, and then the game finally opens up. But that's not for a few hours. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but it's not very tight. And I'm sitting here going like, mm, this is kind of like... Like I kind of feel like I'm retreading a little bit, and I kind of feel like I'm. Th- th- this stuff needs to be a bit tighter for the opening act. Um, once you get into the main game, it's excellent, um, and I'm having a great time. Do you think it being it being excellent is also a function of it taking as long as it did, or it's kind of despite how long I- it took? As sorry, uh, what take as long as it did? So like, what? Well, you got to the the meat of the game. You got to the open world. You got to the Forbidden West. It opened up. the The main loop is happening in earnest. Do you think once you got into it, did you think that the slow beginning was still a hindrance, or could you appreciate a bit more once you got into it? I, I think it, I think it could have been shorter. Okay. Um, like uh, quite a lot happens at the beginning of the game, but it doesn't happen fast enough. Um. And so I'm sort of like, for example, there are large sections where there's no combat um, and I'm just sort of like walking in between characters, talking to them, going up to a thing. It's sort of like a de facto tutorial for how to do, how to do climbing, for example. Um, you climb to the top of a thing and then you head back down and you, and you just talk, sort of talk into more NPCs. Um, that could have been done, you know, and like I say this very tentatively, like in a cutscene, or it could have been done in a way that I wasn't in control of the entire thing because it's, it's like it's going from A to B to C to D. Um, like just tighten that up, remove the faff, just give it to me and, and let me go. Right. Um, cause there's a lot of, there's actually a lot of optional stuff in that. There's like optional conversations you can have. And so you don't really know what is like, what I should be doing. Like, should I be just heading onwards? Because there's, there's a level of urgency going on, but there's also like, Hey, like, should I talk to these people from the first game and see how they're going since then, et cetera. Um, but not quite. Like I think they they could have removed some of that, and they could have brought that into the later part of the, or like at least just after the intro to give me the option to go and talk to these people, as opposed to like gating me off from the open world. Fair enough. That being said, once you get there, it's really really good, and I was really surprised at how well they're doing it. Um, the story that they're telling is like really good yeah um there's some really good sci-fi stuff in there and some stuff that i did not fucking expect at all like some some genuine like oh like we're, we're getting into this kind of sci-fi which is really really sick um 
I saw it. I, I believe Ashley Lynch said this on Twitter. She was likening this to Uncharted 2 and Mass Effect 2 in terms of quality jumps in the series. From 1 and to 2. From 1 to 2. And I looked at that and I went, oof, like, I don't know about that. And then the game kept on going. I'm seeing more characters. I'm seeing more dialogue. I'm seeing more interactions. And I I, and I almost... Like the new monsters as well. I don't almost disagree. Um, what? Wait, sorry, wait, sorry, what? sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I, I don't disagree. Okay. I, I am starting to come around on that idea. Um, I think that there's a there's a very fine line that those games do that ju- that jump from one to two because it's those jumps from one to two are almost reevaluations of what these what this series can be. Um, Uncharted one is. It, it's it's good. It's it's a bit loose. It's um, very rough. Yeah. Same with Mass yeah. Effect One. It's very rough. I, I was actually surprised how how tight Mass Effect One actually felt. That's because um, you haven't played Mass Effect Two. That, that that's true. But Mass Effect One already felt kind of quite grand. Um, in in its way that that Uncharted Two kind of feels like Uncharted Two is a big story that is like. Like there are there are characters that have already had interactions which you don't know about, but you can feel the history sort of thing. Mass Effect One kind of felt like that as well for me. Anyway, um, this this feels like that, um, and you know you already know a lot of these interactions because you have, you know, if you played the first game, you've met these characters. If you haven't played the first game, then you can see that that history that these characters have. Yeah. They do a really good job of picking you up where they would have been um, six months later. Um, basically, at the end of uh, in between one and two, Aloy leaves the day the final fight happens in in Horizon One, and just continues the mission almost immediately because well, she she knows that there's more happening. Something you see it in the, like the credits and like the final cutscene of the first game is she goes and finds Elizabeth Sobek's body. Yeah, which is at like Sobek's like family farm or something like that. Um, so yeah, that that tracks with what they showed. Yeah, but as in like what what you don't quite see is that all these characters that you've met, um, Aaron and uh, Val, for example, they like when you meet them again, they're like, like they're like, what the fuck, Aloy? <laughs> like you just like like we just had like a massive fight, and you even you even you were even there for the celebration. Like you just left. You didn't say goodbye. Like what what the hell was that? Um. Which is really good. Like that's like a really great sort of place to put these characters because it it makes it sense shows, to her character too. Like that that is consistent. It one hundred percent makes sense because like you you know Aloy is this like this like I've got this really intense mission, but she also knows that she's the only one that can do it because of her lineage and because of who she is in the world of Horizon. Yeah. So she's got this feeling that like I have to do this. It's my responsibility and it's my fight. And the rest of them are like, we can help you. And you didn't even give us the chance. Um, and that's also and she, part of her whole like growing up as an outcast thing and just being like, yes. man, you, you guys you guys are holding on to things for no reason and it hurts people. Mm, yep. And they, they, they play with that through the entire game in a way that is really lovely. It is really, really good. Um, there's, you know, you'll be shocked to hear that Aloy, Aloy has to learn how to how to <laughs> introduce her friends and, uh, you know, not be the only sole 
bearer of the future of the world sort of thing, right? Yeah. You can kind of um, see that in the trailers, right? Where Erend and Val, as you've said, like they both have focuses now and you see them riding yeah. machines as well as Aloy. It's like, oh, that's that's interesting. You know, the people she's trusting to help her go through the world to do this mm. this mission. I, I, I do like that. And one of the weaker parts of Horizon 1, I'm, I'm sure you'd agree, is that all these characters existed quite separately and then they all come together for the final fight and it's like, hey, like everybody you've met, you know, it's the... It's everybody the, I did a two-hour quest with. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, and this feels way more natural. Like there's a moment in this game where you enter what is your de facto base for the game. I think it's just called like the base because it doesn't have the name. Um, it's not I think called on the, the, map, like, it's like, the like the allowed west. It's not the um, permitted no, west. No, no. Um, and you've got this, uh, as you go through, you bring uh, like Val there and stuff and then you have this big fight and you sort of get injured. And uh, once you get better, um, Val is there as well. Once you get better, it's like, like, hey, like, I'm going to go and find this piece of tech. And Val's like, I'm going to go get Erend. Like, he needs to be here. He wants right. to help you. I'm going to bring him here. Something bad so has he, happened. <laughs> yes. Like, like, like Val is straight up like, we need more help. <laughs> um, and so you've got this base and you meet new characters in this game as well. And they eventually will come to your base as well. And so I've, I'm currently sitting at about six people sort of seven people in the base and as the story is progressing more rooms are opening up everybody's getting their own bedrooms things are getting more built up they're making it their own space and it's you can see that progression through the game the Normandy. To a mass oh, sorry yeah sorry. similar to a mass effect 100 <laughs> percent. but it works it's a really good formula and That's it really great. helps sell these characters in this game because the characters in the first game they were good, but they didn't have a whole lot to do. Yeah. Um, There's also they that thing, a, something, an I, angle. something I noticed in the final confrontation is they do the whole like, oh, go to each part of Meridian that's preparing its defenses. And in each section is a small group of people who may be there if you've done their side quests. And for me, some of their side quests I'd done literally four years ago, so I didn't remember who they were. Um, yeah. And other people I, I'd just done their side quests like a day ago. Um but it was it was funny how it was like oh yeah if I if I got part of this none of you would be here but also like it kind of doesn't matter that you're here <laughs> yeah yeah it's like a greatest hits of the previous quests of the game sort of thing and it it it's it's it, it's a bit flat yeah it's a little superficial um, it's a cool idea this sounds yeah. this sounds like a really natural much better implementation of that it it really is um as well as because you can. It, it does the Mass Effect thing where you enter the base and they're interacting and they're talking about their own conversations that you're just walking into sort of thing. Oh, that's that's like really good. It's really good. Um, and so some of the new characters you meet as well, they have their own interesting perspectives because there's different clans in the West as well. Um, there's this guy who is a um, basically like a, a second-in-command um, for one of the armies in the West and he is missing one of his arms um, from like the shoulder down because um, of a battle he was in. And you make friends with him uh, on the way. Um, you do some missions with him. And then uh, he basically says like, hey, like I've sort of like, like I need to see this through because if this doesn't work, then my people are going to like get seriously hurt or all die. So I need to come with you to make sure that I can keep doing this and leave my army for a bit. 
And when, when you get there, he's quite solitary because he doesn't have the same level of interaction with everyone else. But you can find out what he's studying. You can learn what he's doing. Um, and you can check in and you can find out that he's learning about like the different ways of the old world used to do war, for example, because he's a warrior. That's where his interests would lie. And you're having this conversation with a character named X, is, which is me censoring the name of the character, um, uh, who is sort Fred. of like... Yeah. Uh, you're having this, this, this conversation with this character who can sort of see what's happening inside the base as a, as a, at, a, at a larger level. And when they mention this to Aloy, Aloy's like, oh, like I would, maybe I should learn, like uh, do some learning with, with, this, with this person as well about some of the old ways of war. And the response is like, actually, he kind of wants to do this as a, as a solitary project. Um, and Aloy's like, okay. Um, which was like, I didn't, I didn't expect that. that. Like my immediate reaction was, I'm going to go there, have dialogue with this character. They're going to teach me like a move or something. Yeah, new and that was going to be the gameplay thing. As opposed to like, no, no, like this character actually just prefers to do this on their own. Um, which was quite nice to see that they are, you know, like I don't actively see them learning, but it, the world is telling me that they are indeed learning these things. So um, we've been doing a lot of story. I do want to hear more about, like, yes. and like if you've got more to say, obviously keep going, but I do want to make sure we get time to talk about gameplay and visuals and stuff like that as yes. well. Yeah, so I, I also do have a list of things that I, that I need to get through. So I'm going to run through these semi-quickly just for time's sake. Um, there's a lot more focus on the elemental damage in this game than there was in the first game. So like the the electricity, the like corrosive acid, fire, like the repulsive, like shoot the arrow and oh, the tear blast. There's a lot more focus on that because more parts have more weaknesses and more of the machines have a stronger weaknesses to those things, which makes them a bit more important um, in a way that is not really told to you in a, in a explicit way at the beginning, but something you do need to learn to continue through the game. Cause the game is genuinely not very easy. Mm. Um, at least on normal difficulty, I am dying fairly regularly. That was um, my experience of the first game too. Uh, but like, I didn't have that in the first game. So I think there is more of a focus on that stuff. True. You um, are also mainlining it. So, like, because there's levels in this, like, your health is going to be lower than someone who took their time. That 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 is true. Um, I think, like, my greatest weakness is I'm actually not finding stronger... I'm not actually finding the uh, items I need to upgrade my ability, my, uh, my items and my armor as frequently as I was in the past. And I think that's because the, the item pool has actually dramatically increased in this. Right. There's a lot more different types of parts from different machines. And there's more machines in this as well. I want to say there's like 25, 30 machines in this, which is quite a lot considering that they are all very individual. You know, there are boss ones, but they're like, they're very individual in this. How many um, of those are returning? I want to say eight or nine, but for the most part, you're not finding watchers throughout the game. Um, there are thunder jaws around, but they have like for like equivalents full watchers now, which are like, uh, th th there's ones that sort of like the equivalent animals, like a weasel basically, <laughs> um, which is, which is really cool. Cause like they act differently to a watcher, but they do some of the same things. But then I went into like one of the cauldrons and I found some watchers and I was like, Oh, they are in this game. So like, it's, 
they are sort of more spread across. Um, there's not enough Lance Reddick in this game. I'm just going to say immediately. I know they are. They are. Like, he is there, and they're saving him for something really cool, which I can see on the like see in the distance. But I want more of him. He's got such a good voice, um, and his performance is just excellent. Um, the climbing, I think, feels worse in this game, which is really Whoa, weird. Wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't think that was possible. I am. I'm finding myself like fighting against it a little bit in a way. But in a way that I didn't in the original game. Um, I don't know if it's just me, but I'm finding it kind of a bit of a chore sometimes. So what are you fighting um, against? Like, I am missing things more often. And like, I am like holding forward and pressing jump, holding forward, pressing jump, holding forward, pressing jump. Ah, she finally grabbed it. It's very strange. I feel like it's just like, it, like some variable somewhere is just not tuned correctly, but like it's... It's, you, I'm, just, I'm just not like hitting it as much. So from my from what I've seen from like demos and stuff, it seems they've introduced more of those handholds where you do the actual animations to climb. Rather, I feel like there are a lot more like slopes in the first game, and the the climbing opportunities are a bit rarer. Yes, that there are there are far more opportunities to climb mm. in this game. You you can climb on a lot more naturally generated things. Right. And then they show you that now because you've got some sort of quick scan and it's like, here's all the handholds in your nearby area. Um, yep. that's, that's interesting. I wonder, mm. I wonder why it's doing that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't quite understand why it's doing it, but it doesn't always feel great. Um, also, the grappling hook, it's not, it's not really that anything, oh. which is a shame. I was really excited for it because it looked sick in the trailer, but it's, it's slow. Um, and it's it's it, you don't use it very often, so you frequently forget about it. Right. Um, and then when you see it, you go to it, and you always end up in a perch position. You never grapple. You never grapple to anything to stand, so it's never fast. And using it in combat is not good either. Um, right. It's really really weird. So it's um, quite limited. Yeah, yeah, underdone. Um, however, the the glider that you've got, awesome, um, really cool. Not quite Breath of the Wild level glider. But like you can use it at any point, um, and it helps you just get down to something when you can see something on the ground. Like it helps you just get there. Um, it's it's very rarely necessary, but it's pretty always fun. Um, uh, something that is a really big standout for me is the uh, side characters' um, faces. Honestly, like all the faces in this game are great. Good. But the the level of like speculative detail and like the like the pores on the skin especially because there's lots of different like uh skin types in this game they're all amazing they all look incredible great um they're really really good it makes me wish that the animation was better not that it's bad but it's it's still generated like most like it's better it's definitely better than the first game um but like yeah it a lot of it is still generated especially in the the non mission areas um but there's a lot of close ups on the faces and the 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 level of detail on the faces is really good it is really really awesome um that's the kind of thing you could see is like that was something that everyone had to say it was like these guys yeah. look wonky these guys look like cheap, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. They they put some they they put like an almighty 
effort into doing it on this and it, it really shows it, it really works. That's great. Um, there is one moment that I do want to talk about, which I think is a really good encapsulation of why this game is like a really good successor to the first, which is there's a part in this game where you have to go out, find some, find some AI to bring to your AI um, and help progress the story. Um, one of the areas you have to go to is to find the AI called Poseidon, um, who is in charge of terraforming the water um, in the Zero Dawn project. You'd be shocked. Um, what, what is really cool is that Poseidon is not in the ocean. Poseidon is in the middle of the desert, um, which is like very, very surprising. What is even more surprising is you get to the middle of the desert, which is supposed to be Las Vegas, because it turns out you are, tra- you are traversing the entire west of America, which you would not guess from how far you are traveling. You are walking from the Midwest all the way to Vegas, all the way to the beach in San Francisco. <laughs> right, right. That is that is not how that works. Um, there was a bit of that in the first game. Like they 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 spoke about how you were you were looking at like multiple states in the first game's yeah. map. It was like, eh, really? Yeah, it's very um, it's very Death Stranding. Um, but yeah, so you travel to Vegas to try and find uh, the Poseidon thing, and you meet um, these these three fellows. Uh, one of them was named Morland, who was a very lovely man. All three of these fellows are um, showmen. They are there to do shows and you know do presentations for people for entertainment purposes. And they are in this building, which happens to be the building that connects to where Poseidon is kept. And one of them is nearly drowning, um, which is like, how are they drowning in the middle of the desert? Turns out the entirety of... Uh, the desert, like the Las Vegas Strip is blanketed in sand and below it, it is completely flooded. Below the ground. Yeah. Completely flooded with water as like a security feature. And so you are traveling through- What is the sand resting on top of? So on top of the buildings, as in under, like, and it is covered, uh, the sand is sitting on top of like a big- glass kind of like kind of like a terrarium but it's massive it's huge and then uh you are like you you enter what is i'm assuming the equivalent of like maybe like a fifth or sixth story you then swim down an elevator shaft and you see like like the internal flooded casinos um wow which is which is really cool it's like what an awesome looking visual and what a cool place to like have like a story beat and you have to go down there and reduce uh you have to try and like um drain the water um so you have to like go through press a bunch of buttons and and swim in coral and stuff and it's it it is very blade runner 2049 vibes one because it's desert and there's like Las Vegas and its holograms and stuff. But the, the holograms that are inside of the base are controlled by the Poseidon AI. And all the holograms by Poseidon have turned into coral holograms to make him feel like he's like in an ocean. Oh. And then w- once you complete uh, the task and, you, and you, you transfer Poseidon, all the holograms turn back into uh, the Vegas holograms. Um, 
and the these two guys, uh, sorry, these three guys, they're trying to get these holograms because it's like his granddad like had some holograms and stuff, and he always wanted to make a show with the holograms, and it's it's a it's quite a it's quite a lovely story, and they're really they're really quite nice. Like one of them is there as the the, the showman like inventor guy one of them's there in charge of the money and the other one's there in charge of like the production of the show and the guy who's there in charge of production of the show he's maybe like 20 years older than the other two and he speaks in like limericks but in a way that like doesn't suck in a way that's like really funny he's consistently making up rhymes so what's happening in front of him right um and then you like you you get it and like you then bring them down after you've completed the area and they're looking around at all the holograms and they're like, this is more than we ever could have imagined and this is incredible and like, you know, I'm so happy and they're like, thank you, Elliot, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then you go outside and the entire Vegas area has changed dramatically. I'm not going to say what it was, but they're like, like they're in complete awe at the level of change that the outside area, which I didn't expect to change, had changed. Um, And then that area just looks fucking amazing there was so much incredible lighting effects and so much incredible design for like what is happening in this area which largely looked quite like a it was mostly just like a ruined desert and then it's completely the the feel of it has completely changed it is such a cool cool game um yeah i don't know like i it tone wise the game is not dissimilar to um honestly like kind of like empire strikes back sort of thing you're on the back foot for a lot of it Mm. and the villains are quite menacing in this game way more menacing than they were in the first one because a lot of unknowns in the first one um yeah it's just basically you discovering things in the first one and in this it's not like in this one it is like a story with with the backstory has already been told. If you want the backstory to this game, you go play the first one. Yeah. And so they can tell a story without having the baggage of like, all right, like we need a lore dump all the time. They still do those moments, but the lore dump is about the right now as opposed to what happened hundreds of years ago. Um, as well as still giving more character to the final days of the old world and why things are the way they are. They give you more understanding there's more stuff about Elizabeth Sobek and stuff and more like just the tech bros that have killed the world. It's yep, like, yep, yep. it is, it, it's really good. It's great. A, I did not expect to be so high on this game because I expected it to be good and it is more of the same, but it is better, more of the same, which mm-hmm. I think is a very specific thing that they needed to hit, which they have. Well, it's interesting, right? Because it's basically getting similar reviews to the first one, which is like, Eight, eight point five, nine, an occasional ten, like, but you know, people say it's not perfect. It's really great, but to do that when you're the sequel to a game that's already done that before, you do need to improve because yeah. if you rest on your laurels, it's going to be disappointing and it's going to be a seven or an eight. So it is clear, yeah. even just from the scores that they've put work into it. Um, I watched the Digital Foundry review, um, the tech review, and it was there. Not their original, not their original video actually, which is just here's what it looks like on PS5, but their PS4, PS4 Pro, and PS5 comparison video, um, and it was fascinating to watch um, as as they are, especially at this time when we're bridging two generations. Um, mm. You know, there aren't going to be too many more examples like this. I think after the next twelve months, you know, I think God of War is going to be cross cross platform, and um, but you know. 
Gran Turismo 7 isn't, and we've already had Demon Souls and Ratchet and Clank that are PS5 exclusive. But looking yep. at Horizon, it's very fascinating to see how they've optimized this PS5 game to run on a PS4. It, it, it's no longer looking like... The PS4 looks quite limited in what it's capable of in comparison to what the PS5 can do. Whereas yep. you look at something that was cross-platform, say like Miles Morales, and you're like, it's perf- perfectly, totally fine on PS4. Not a problem. Like, play it there, you're going to get an, a great experience. It's just not going to be 60 yep. frames a second. Okay. Um, but here it's like, oh no, you're really missing a lot of that visual detail. And something else that um, they noticed on Digital Foundry as well is that the game was built around higher resolutions than 1080p. And so yes. when you when you play it on PS4, which apparently hits 1080p 30, which is the same as the first game, hits it totally fine, which is great. Mm. Um, but apparently because Forbidden West was made with so much detail in mind with the, the leaves and the foliage and the moss and the rocks and the textures and the, the ambient leaves falling through the wind and the atmosphere, you actually start to see that sort of grainy loss of detail through a smaller resolution image because yes. it's just not made for that resolution anymore. And so I find it fascinating how we're no longer looking at like a PS4 Plus game and it's more like we're looking at a PS5 optimized game for lower consoles. I think yeah. that's a really interesting shift just from the, just from this you know video I've seen. Yeah, like this feels, and you know, like this is going to be a little bit like a little bit dismissive of some of the others, but this feels like a genuine like next gen designed game. Whereas Demon Souls, while it looked amazing, it's a PS3 game. It's a PS3 um, game, yeah. Uh, Ratchet and Clank, while also looked amazing, did things you know that like you know genuinely you couldn't do on the PS4 um, due to like the the loading and like the the rifting and stuff like that, like it still was a smaller scoped game, um, which obviously worked in its favor, but was still small scoped. Miles Morales was more Spider-Man. It's, it's a game that we know in a world that we know. Um, and Returnal, I guess, is really the, one of the only other PS5 exclusives. Yeah, and, and even then, like, I want to say Returnal, like, could have been built on a, um, like, on a PS4 with... Like less detail, obviously, and like to an extent, this could have too. But it, like this, this game would feel quite differently if it wasn't on the PS5 with the tech that they're showing, because there are these moments where you are seeing an extraordinarily an extraordinary amount of detail um, intentionally, so you can sort of place yourself a lot of the time. Th- this game shows some really intense peaks to place you in the world, so you know where you are a lot of the time and you know where to go. Um, right. In ways that is like it is really breathtaking a lot of the time. There are so many times where I'm like looking at things, going like, "How do they do that?" <laughs> um, <laughs> because it doesn't like it's it's so stunning looking. I was I was playing with my housemate, and the first thing my housemate said while he was looking at this was like, "Man, I wish the Switch had better." No, I think he said, "Man, I wish Nintendo had better hardware." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, because it, it, this is like they have learned some genuine lessons from Breath of the Wild in this game. Um, I mean, for of the course, uh, and you, like, who hasn't, right? You know, like the Breath of the Wild has changed open board games forever, but like this is learning those lessons and and working with them um, in a in a very very intelligent way. Lessons that they didn't learn with the original one. No, um, because it came out five days before Breath of the Wild. It, 
Exactly. And so, so it was always see- being compared, but it was never, ever in a million years going to have the chance to, to integrate any of those lessons because no one had learned yes. them yet. And I'm not saying that this game is, is on par, like, uh, on a meta way with Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild obviously is, has changed open world games. This is not going to, and this is also not trying to. This is incorporating the best ideas from Breath of the Wild, um, or like at least attempting to incorporate it into Horizon's formula um, to make Horizon a better game yep. um, than, than, the, than the previous one. So I think they have done a really good job and I'm very, very excited to see the end of this story. Um, it's like, I don't know, I, I, think, it's, I think it's really excellent. Um, it's not without its flaws, but I think it's, I think it's very, very good. Mm-hmm. You have to go into this knowing that like, it's like, once again, don't go expecting Breath of the Wild style gameplay because um, it's not that. This is like a, a this is a really good middle ground in between the best of Western open worlds and lessons from Breath of the Wild. I yep. think is maybe the best way to describe it. Jeremy, I know we're going long on our like estimated run of show here, but yes, I've, you've got to tell me more about the fights. You got to tell me more about the creatures. They're really good. A lot of them are really um, very d- bespoke. And I, when I am seeing certain creatures, I am adjusting my play style on the fly. It is it is less about like like it, it is still you know like shoot the baddie in the glowing weak spot, but the way they attack is fundamentally changed. Um, they all have their own ways of attacking you now in ways that I am dodging and running at different points to make sure that I'm dodging these attacks. It feels like a lot more like back and forth a lot of the time. Whereas I want to say Horizon 1, especially towards the end, it became very run and gun. It became very like do laps, shoot them, do laps, shoot them, do laps, shoot them, which which I still thought was fun. But this is now like they are up in your shit 100 fucking percent of the time. <laughs> and it is your job to get up in their shit when they are on the back foot, um, which is v- quite different, honestly. Like I feel like I'm playing this game differently to the way I'm playing the first one. Maybe it's been a while. But I, I like want to say- that's how they presented the gameplay in the first one in like the E3 trailers. Like with that first Thunder Draw, it was like- yeah. You know, you, you stun it for a second, you you sprint at it, slide under it, and shoot a fire arrow in its belly, and it yeah. explodes. Which you would never do in the first one. The first no, one, it was you, impossible. you keep your distance. Yeah. Whereas in this one, so I fought my first Thunderjaw last night in, like, a really cool, like, uh, in a story um, space. Mm, mm. Um, and this thing fucking gunned for me all the goddamn time. It was always trying to get, like, up in my shit because it was, like, it knew, like... It knew, like at things, it 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 was aware that uh, I am I am on the defensive when it is really close to me, but there are still things I can do. Um, so I am like dodging out of the way, like almost like dodging through attacks a lot of the time to get on a on a blind spot of it, so I can like nail a part of it and then run back, reload everything, and then. By the time I've reloaded everything, like it is, it is already on its way. Yeah, yeah, like it is, it is getting close to me. And so they are doing a lot more um, close range attacks, which I don't feel like they were doing as much in the past. Um, 
as well as finding, they put you in arenas with multiple different machines at a time, oh. and those fights are hard. When when there are different machines that are attacking you in different styles, you have to always keep in your head that this one might be right behind me, that one's over there, that one's kind of distracted, I don't have to worry about that one for at least five seconds while I'm attacking <laughs> this one in front of me, and then I'm going to dodge out of the way of the one that's probably attacking behind me. Um but that also means that the the elemental abilities that I was mentioning before, they can then be used to your advantage. So there are more the elemental abilities that you're using, a lot of them are doing more AoE attacks. So if you can time them that the two different machines are next to each other when one of them goes off, the other one will get really hit by it and, and quite uh, do quite a lot of damage to it as well. So you are kind of like uh like trying to like route the enemies to, while like, they control are, the space yeah yeah you have to try and herd them sort of close to each other so you can sort of do it like some heavier damage while they're next to each other while also making sure you try and pick them off because there is nothing better for your chances in a battle than having less machines fighting for each other two weak machines is way stronger than one strong one mm. so um very different spaces to fight in this, I want to say. That's cool. Um, I like that. Yeah. Um, and you will frequently find in the open in the open world um, multiple, she- multiple machines together. Um, not like interacting together, but like if you're fighting in like a, you know, in a machine A little area, uh, other ones will come and notice a battle and get involved, um, which is, uh, I don't remember that happening very much in the first one. Um, they were largely quite, rubber banded off a little bit yeah like it happened but not as not as much as it is happening in this cool that's great it sounds really positive i can't wait to get to it in like six weeks (laughs) i i I, uh, you know obviously i was going to say this but if you can try and bump it up on your priorities lists i definitely think you should give it like a give it a really hot try i'm very curious to see how you would land on it oh i mean i'm curious too i mean all the stuff you're saying about the slow intro i was like ooh. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I, I want but that. the thing is, the slow intro, you need, to, you need to get through the main story of the slow intro before you faff around within the other stuff. I know. There's, like, there's so much optional shit at the start, which you need to force yourself to skip. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's interesting, right? Because I'm playing something that's embargoed right now and I'm going to, and for work, and I'm going to be playing that a fair amount for work. Um, mm. So I guess the, for me, this was always next on my list after that, right? Yeah. My question for you is: Are you trying to say that I should try and integrate it to put it in the downtime? Put it, try and fit it in the cracks. Uh, I don't know. Only because I don't know how fun it's going to be to go back and forth between mm. the two styles of combat. Mm. Um, I think, I think, like uh, I wished happened with the first one, it needs its own space. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, because I mean, I, even with its controls, yeah. its controls are so funky. Where it's like. Dodge and crouch, are like square and circle. Yeah, and that that is always a mess around because you're either remapping one game's attack buttons, or you're like splitting it up in different ways across mm. those two buttons so they do different things, and then you start using them wrong in the other games, and yeah, yeah. And th- there's there's like combos in this game now, and there's also like abilities you can activate on the fly as well, which because you've got like a meter that you're building. Um, yep. And there's five different ability trees. Uh, sorry, six different ability trees. Um, like, it does, it's way more RPG-y. 
Um, as well, th- those, there's one final thing. We have gone so long. There, there is one final thing that I, that I, that I want to mention, which I think is a, a really standout moment, is that it's happened at least three times now. There have been these moments of... Uh, I'm trying to think of the word. Like moments of travel, plot-wise. Um, for example, the first let me go from the east into the Forbidden West. Uh, there's a cutscene that happens, which is a, like a, a moment of a- Aloy traveling through the country. Um, and it does, like, it does, it, like, I'm a sucker for this. And so, like, of course I was going to love it. I loved it even in fucking Death Stranding. But there's a moment of just uh, quiet character traveling and really lovely song with lyrics. Ah, um, the and it, the, like, the Red Dead into Mexico moment. Mm-hmm. It was... Like, and I'm sitting there and like one of my housemates was sitting next to me and like she was on her phone while I was playing. And then like the song started and like I saw her like look up from her phone and just like watch like this two and a bit minute cutscene of, of Aloy traveling while this like really stunning song played. And I'm sitting there like, ah, yeah, I love these fucking moments. They're so good and they're so good in this too. Mm-hmm. Very rarely does a game do that poorly um, or at least in a way that I don't like. I think it's a pretty... I'm going to say cheap, but what I mean is I think it's a pretty easy way to pull. Like, I don't think it's difficult to pull off. Yes, um, I don't think it's difficult to pull off either. Um, and maybe I'm wrong. Like, maybe people don't do it that often because it is, and the only people who yeah, do maybe. are the ones who, are, are, who who make sure to make it work. But, yes. yeah, when it works, it works, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it it worked really well in this, and I've done it a, few, like a, a couple times now, and it's it's always been a, like, important moments which allows you to like sort of sit and like think about like what has just happened and like what is about to happen um in a way that that works really well um it's not like a there's no big dialogue dump or whatever it 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 works better that way mm-hmm. great I'm, I'm really excited um to finally get to it um mm. and give it the time it deserves uh i'll be very interested to talk to you in a couple of weeks when you've got more on your plate and see what you're more inclined to get to or if it's too different from some things compared to others. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, just looking at the run of time here. I think, why don't we... Why don't we go to a break now and we'll just call okay. this the Horizon section and then we'll come back. I'll talk a little bit about the stuff, some stuff I've been playing this week and then we'll get into the topic of the show. So uh, everybody, I want you to close your eyes, put on some, some music with some lyrics, uh, maybe look at a nice image for two or three minutes, don't say a word, just listen to the song. Uh, think of Aloy, think of uh, John Marston, think of, uh, I'm thinking of um, Nate and Elena when... They find again the car and things aren't working, and then it's just like really oh, soft it, piano It's not music. that kind of moment. That's like no, a, I know, but like it's reminding me of that. Yeah, An- another good example is I think everyone should put on a little bit of low roar and walk around a fractured America while traveling with multiple packages on your back and trying not to fall over. <laughs> okay, everyone, th- that's what we're going to do in the break. Okay, everyone's got yeah. the thing that if they've decided on. Okay, and break. Welcome back to the Mini Madcast. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed listening to who do we who do we just listen to? 
Uh, we listened to Low Roar. We listened to That's Don't right. Be So Serious by Low Roar. That was that was really nice. Mm. We we watched the first what was that? First five minutes of Death Stranding? First five minutes of gameplay of Death Stranding? No, it's like it's 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 after a cutscene. Um, it's like the the beginning of the intro. It's well, maybe the end of the intro of Death Stranding. Right. Okay. So it's about two hours in. <laughs> it's about it's about fifteen twenty minutes in. Right. Fifteen twenty thirty forty forty minutes in. <laughs> I remember. That long I remember someone. We, we were talking about Metal Gear because we were talking about Death Stranding. Um, in the break, and then I, <laughs> I remember after I played four. And then someone talking about four uh, and how it had a thirty-five minute cutscene in the middle, and I hadn't noticed it at the time when I was playing it. And I thought back on it, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, that cutscene did go forever because it was like the end of a chapter and then the start of the new chapter and another cutscene." Yeah, and it really was like thirty-five minutes straight, and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're coming in. Uh, so that, well, that you've just been listening to what Jeremy's been playing. And what Jeremy's only been playing. Um, I've been playing stuff I can't talk about yet. But uh, what I did also have a moment this weekend where I was like, what am I going to talk about for the podcast? You know, there are times where, you know, uh, I don't want to talk about Apex again. I don't want to talk about Legends Arceus again, which I haven't been playing this week. But you know what I mean. So I was like, what if each week I sort of tried to have a look at Game Pass and come in with something that I... I took from that week of my Game Pass perusal. Um, I didn't have much time this weekend to put towards it, but what I... I I had some interesting feelings. So the first thing I did was I I was scrolling down and I like just sorting it by alphabetical, show me all of them, and then just seeing the whole catalogue, which I don't think they want you to do. I think they want you to look at their, like, discover tabs a lot more and stuff like that. Uh... But yeah, so I was scrolling down and I found this game called uh, Narita Boy, which I've heard of before. I was under the impression it was a roguelike, which I'm pretty sure it really isn't after my first like 45 minutes with it. Um, but yeah, I, I downloaded this game and because I thought it was a roguelike and I've seen people who like games that I've been playing, they've played it, they really like it. I was expecting to just jump in and really like it, and I really didn't like this game. <laughs> it's like a, it's kind of like a, like a Fez hyperlight drifter art style, um, but inside of like a Tron world. Everything you're in this like digital, artificial space. You're like inside the data stream, something, something. It's all very eighties inspired, um, and. You're just this kid who gets summoned in, but the they they th- they throw all this lore at you. They start talking about the techno sword and the and the data miner and and the motherboard is the the mother of creation. And uh, they start talking about the creator, who's the one who wrote the code for the the digiverse or whatever they call it. And there was this this group of people who tried to take over the red stream of the data core, and they just throw so much. And it's not voice acted; it's just text. And it's just so much nonsense. I'm like, you want, and and then what it what the game becomes about is some malicious code personified itself, punched the writer of the code, this this middle aged balding man, punched him through the computer screen so that he forgot things, or like forgot all of his memory, all all memories. I'm like, okay, and so it becomes your job through the data stream to remind the creator to to like to like bring back the creator's memories 
so that he can keep writing code that means that the people who are after the red stream of the data core don't take over. This sounds cool as hell. <laughs> it, like it, like it's a cool thing, but it's like it's not. Those are cool like, words, but <laughs> yeah, and like it, the, his creators, he's just this like schlubby dude. I don't know. I'm like, why do I care about this 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 white guy just typing into a like a really old computer? I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't really vibe with any of it, including the the platforming. Like, there's there was like latency on the jump, and it felt like oh, really no. floaty in a bad way, and. And the combat was weird, and I had no idea where to go because there was no map. So just telling me to go places, and then they're like, oh, go here. They give give you objectives, but they don't give you a map, and you walk past all these things you need a key for, and then they're like, you've got a key now. And then I'm like, I don't remember which door that was, and so I'm trying this key in every door that I walk past. It was... I just found it so messy. I was really let down by it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) From this really, really, really vague, like, just collection of really indistinct impressions from other people's, like, Steam activity, basically. Like, it's kind of made me realize how I just really had no idea what this game was and just how I thought I knew what it was. Right. And even with that minimal amount of expectations, I was still let down. <laughs> That's very funny. So yeah, it was it was that was a bit strange, um, but it, you know it had me thinking about Game Pass in general, and and part of why I wanted to do this sort of, you know, Game Pass check in thing is because I'm paying for it, right? And I realized the other day it was like we were talking when I first bought into Game Pass Ultimate. And I was like, oh, it's just five dollars more than PC Game Pass. That's like, and that's like a great deal. That, that's it's easy. And then I was thinking mm. about it, and I'm like, PlayStation Plus is eighty dollars a year. Game Pass Ultimate is nearly two hundred. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's sixteen dollars Australian times ten is one hundred and sixty, and then two more is thirty-two. It's one hundred and ninety-two dollars a year. Can you buy it at a yearly price? I don't think so. And I think when you can buy it in bulk at like a at like a retail store or something like that, it's just three months at once for the one month price. It's just 16 times 3. It's just like 48. Mm. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. You can buy three months for yeah for 48 bucks. Right, which is just you buying one month three times at once. Uh, like you don't get a discount like you do with PS Plus or something like that. Oh, you get a couple of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so, like it got me thinking, I'm like... Like this is a good deal, but also they've they've got me spending way more money than I realized. So I actually kind of this one I'm I'm actually not comfortable. It was fine when it was PC Game Pass because like it was I wasn't doing much with it, but I liked having it when I wanted it. I liked having Halo ready when I wanted it. So it's just like that's fine. I'll pay for that. And it was a bit less. And plus that started at five dollars. Went to ten. I'm like okay, whatever. That's fine. Still sixteen dollars a month though. And now it's I'm also like, worth mentioning that, like on on the console as well, it does include Xbox Live Gold. It does include Xbox Live Gold, Game Pass on the console, and Game Pass on PC, which is more like than a hundred games. And like EA it's Play a, it's as well. EA Play, like, there's a lot that comes with that. It's not nothing. Oh my god! And the cloud streaming, Jesus. Yeah. 
I didn't realize that was a yeah. You're right. That's that's an ult, that's an ultimate only feature. So like yeah, there's plenty of stuff there. But for someone who's not using it, it's too much money. Yeah. Um. And I've gone I've gone from you know spending a couple of weeks on my Xbox, spending a couple of weeks on my PlayStation, and I hadn't really gone back to the thing. And I had this this feeling of like I was like okay, I'm gonna pick something from the list, right? Scrolling through the Game Pass catalog, scrolling, 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 still scrolling, still scrolling, and I'm like. I'm like, I don't want to start something small because that's like, oh, I've heard that's really good and they're, they're like an indie team. So they they like, I feel like they deserve the money. So I like, I should really buy that if I'm going to play it. And like, and so I get in my head about that. And then it's like, oh, Mass Effect Legendary Coll- Collection's on there. It's like, oh, great. I'll install that. That's great. And, but then I come to it when I'm in like a Game Pass mood and I'm like, oh, that's like a 40 hour RPG. I'm not going to start that now. Let's find something else. Yeah. And then it's yeah. like, oh, Final Fantasy 13. I really liked that one. I started it the other day. I'm two hours in oh, the intro's really long and, um, you know, that's another one I kind of have to, kind of have to want to sit down for a couple of hours. Don't worry about that one. What about uh, Gears of War? And then I'm scrolling and I'm scrolling and I'm scrolling and I'm scrolling. And I'm like, why am I scrolling? I installed like 12 of these games already to play the next time I was logged on and I'm just ignoring those. I've got Super Liminal on there, Tetris Effect Connected that I've beaten, but I haven't done some of the extra stuff. I'm, I'm, I was just at a loss for decision paralysis. Well, yeah, it's Netflix. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, and for a while, for this entire time, whenever we or I've heard anyone else say it's the Netflix of games, I've been like, "Wow, I didn't know that could even be an option." That's great. Netflix has been so good for for people who want to watch lots of stuff and maybe not necessarily good for the industry, but that's a whole other discussion. And, like, that's great. And now this is like, ah, this is the Netflix of games. Yeah. It's like, oh, do you want to play Black from the 360? It's like, what? No? It's like, do you want to play AI Insomnian Files? I I hear it's great. And I'm like, I hear it's great too. I don't think it's my bag. I don't want to just pick up AI Insomnian Files. What is that? It's a big long jrpg or a visual novel or something i don't know i don't i don't care to find out and it's just so much stuff there's so much stuff that it, it becomes noise i th- i think i think yes i think i also want to bring up <laughs> you want to do a little bit of psychoanalysis oh boy do i <laughs> i don't think you play many new games that I don't think you start games very often. Right. Okay. Okay. I'll take that. Cause, and I'll give you an example. A short hike. Okay. Oh yeah. How, yeah. <laughs> How like the, the recommendation for a short hike went on for about two and a half years of like, it's really short. You've already got it on humble. You've probably already got it twice. Yes, and the, the 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 pushback from you on that was never. I don't think that's my kind of game, or I don't think I'm going to enjoy that. <laughs> Especially when you played it and you and you finish it, and you're like, "Hey, that was really good." Yeah, it reminds me also of uh, Braid and uh, The Witness. I've installed those, and Into the Breach. Right, I bought it and I installed it. I intended to play it at some point. Yeah. Yeah, you remember how I spoke about Into the Breach like two months ago? Yes, still haven't gone yes, back. I do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, I I think I think maybe 
when you are, for example, the other day when you when you told me that you would watch Tenet. <laughs> yeah, that was the before sp- the last podcast, I was like, "What have I been doing this week?" Oh yeah, that's right, I watched Tenet twice. <laughs> yeah, that was the strangest thing to hear. But what was more strange is when you said you watched it again. Um, I couldn't help myself, Jeremy. <laughs> I know, and and you know, I'm not saying I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not saying you did anything wrong. But what what, what I am saying is that you, instead of watching two movies, you watched a movie you hadn't seen, and then watched that movie you had already seen. I think if you watch Tenet, you would feel compelled to do the same thing. Like it, that's one sure. of those movies. Like, I, I and I, I know, I know. But like, what I'm saying is, you don't often start a new thing True. when you can go back and play a thing. You know, you can go back and play. Final Fantasy 12 Final <laughs> Fantasy fucking 13 I thought Final about Fantasy putting 7 back again. in my PS5 the other day <laughs> oh, goodness gracious um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing but I'm saying that the the ecosystem of a of a streaming service of a Netflix for movies or games whatever it may be uh, does not lend itself to someone that is not wanting to find the new thing to to focus on it's a really um, good point, actually, because like I've always been that way, even with Netflix. It's like I don't want to find something new. That's weird. Um, but with music as well, music is something where it's like I find an album and then I love it and I listen to it for like six weeks straight, and then I'm like, oh, that one's done, and I don't go out to try and find new music. Sure. It's like I find the idea just boring i i just haven't it doesn't appeal to me at all to try and discover music oh bet you you're glad that we're friends i am jeremy (laughs) (laughs) the amount of cool shit you've shown me it's like oh thank god i've got jeremy (laughs) because i love to i genuinely love to sift through crap to find god to find gold (laughs) you see i hate that why would i why would i bother spending my time to do that and the amount of times i I love it (laughs) The amount of times you, you watch a video, like, Jeremy, I've recently just started watching, this is going way longer than I thought it would, I've recently just started well, watching a few more Jacob Geller videos, a few more being sure. any at all, right? After you've been telling me his videos are fantastic for years. Um, yeah, like since since I was in AIE, yeah. since we were studying together. And uh, a couple of days ago, I watched his video, which is um, about ugly games and about Kane and Lynch and Max Payne. Yes, one that I recommended to you when it came out two years ago. I don't remember that. <laughs> I, 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 I sent you the video saying, hey, you played this game. You might enjoy this video about Max Payne 3. And, but the thing is, I was watching it and I'm like, Jeremy watched this video and I bet he felt compelled to play all three of these games. Kane and Lynch and Max <laughs> Payne 3 and Kane and Lynch 2. Even although, even although <laughs> you just learned everything about them and also just heard how bad a lot of them were. <laughs> I can see you shriveling like you just ate a lemon. <laughs> I... I did send you the Returnal video that he did recently and say I've never been more convinced to maybe go back and play Returnal, a game that I capital D disliked. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, uh, I and yes, and I think really unpleasant, by the way. What, the, the Returnal one? Yeah. As in the video itself or the like the content in it? The content in the video. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an unpleasant subject matter. Yeah, turns out... Uh, I have no mouth and I must scream is a really unpleasant story. Um, 
yeah, like I, I, I did think about actually going and <laughs> Kane and Lynch, and I thought about it. I'm like, no, dumbass. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jacob's telling you no. Yeah, <laughs> he just did yeah. this so you don't have to. Yeah, yeah that's funny. So yeah, that's sort of. It's but also, but also, but also, but also, I went on Twitter and I saw Gita Jackson. I saw, I think uh, it was Maddie Myers, I think, and someone else worked at Polygon. All three of them quote tweeting Jacob Geller's video, saying, "I'm gonna. I just bought Returnal because of this video." <laughs> so I'm not wrong. And Jacob Geller then replying with it with, "Yes, yes, yes." Oh no, so, I don't want to say you're wrong. It was just like, no, I know. I knew I how wrong. it went for you. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's I, I have frequently thought about like things that are rated not good, like six out of ten games went. Ooh, there's something interesting there because Jeremy, people didn't like it and some people liked it. What movies were we talking about recently that you decided to start going through and then you didn't make it all the way through, so you just didn't Twilight. bother? What Twilight. was it? Twilight. That's right. You made it to like you watched four out the- of five movies, didn't you? You watched yeah, all of them. I wanted after, to watch like- the fifth one. <laughs> Which is part two of the, the f- of the fourth one. Yes, yes. Um, uh, yeah. And and the, and that's right. You did it because apparently the cinematography is really good in the last movie, and you never yeah, got to the cinematography. Uh, and I haven't seen it. <laughs> uh, so that's it. Just a just a sort of waxing lyrical on that one. I'll I, I do want to both consume media in very strange ways and very different ways. Yes. Um, I do want to engage with Game Pass a bit more this coming week and see how I feel about it and pick something that maybe I have no relation to or pick something that, you know, I talk myself out of and make sure I just talk myself back into it. And But, you know, there's so many slam dunks on there that I want to play. Stuff from last year, Psychonauts 2, Forgotten City, Unpacking. Like, there's so many things that, like, you, just, you can't go wrong. And mm. I have gone wrong by not playing them. And paying for them. <laughs> so yeah, we'll, we'll check back in in a, in a couple of weeks' time and see how I go with that. Uh, now, we've got another topic of the show this week. This went really well for us last week. Um, mm, it did. Uh, and I've been enjoying the way this episode's been going. So, you know, I'm excited to see how this goes as well, continuing our little restructuring of the podcast experiment. Uh, we've got a... An interesting topic of the show this time. Last week, we had a lot of uh, sort of stimulus for the topic. We had an interview, like an earnings call, a Nintendo Direct that just happened, that that comparison that we could draw that's kind of like, sort of like once in a, one, once every three generations kind of thing. Like, the stars really yeah. had to align for all of that subject matter to come in the one week. <laughs> it was a topical conversation. It sure was. Um, that this was is still better. topical. Yeah, it this is. is still topical. Um, <laughs> the stars had to align. Yeah, it's so like as if it. it was like fate. Like, no, we looked at what's happening in the industry and decided to talk about it. No, I, I guess I mean specifically <laughs> the comparing their game lineup from like 2017 yeah, to yeah. like that's a really I, weird I thing you. to have happened. Uh, yeah. Um, stars had to align. Horizon Forbidden West had to release for me to talk about Horizon <laughs> Forbidden West on the 22nd of February. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Without stars. those two things happening at the same time, they were never going to happen. The stars <laughs> called cause and effect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so this week's topic, 
Um, yeah. And we sort of retooled this one. We sort of workshopped it a little bit. It's going to be a bit of a general discussion, um, a little less laser focused than it was last week, I think. But our general topic this week that we've got here is can a shooter be successful without a battle royale mode? Yes. That's our big topic. And we're sort of going to talk like around that topic and come back to it and sort of branch off from it. And then at the end, we'll sort of discuss all the things and how they relate to this overall topic. Um, but, you know, we've sort of been thinking about how some shooters are on the decline. I think something that you that, that brought this to our attention to include this as a potential topic for us was how uh, Halo Infinite has been performing a couple of months after its launch. Um, it was reported recently that... Um, I want to say about two or three weeks ago now that uh, Halo Infinite has fallen out of the top five most played games on Xbox. Um, yeah. It was sitting under Roblox at that point in time. And um, I was reading the stats from Windows Central. This was written by Brendan Lowry. Uh, they wrote, at the time when they were writing this, they also said, on Steam, it typically hovers between ten to 20,000 concurrent players, a small fraction of what the player count looked like a couple of months ago on release. Um Despite the fact that 20 million players have played Halo Infinite in total, many of these players haven't stuck with the game for long. And so it got us thinking about, like, what types of shooters are even viable anymore? Like, the kinds that used to be successful, the kinds that used to have such staying power, um, seem to be not doing as well. And, you know, there's part of that that makes sense, right? Like, um, when you look at Quake Champions, for example, that came out in, like, 2017... Um, you know, yeah. revamping the old Quake formula. You and Ollie really liked playing it. I enjoyed it enough. Um, but it really didn't last. No, no, it didn't find an audience that was sustainable. And then it it fell into that, uh, that like, cause and effect of not enough people playing it, queue times getting longer, then because queue times are so long, people are not playing it because they don't want to wait too long. Therefore, yeah. the, the, play, the play base gets shorter, smaller and smaller. And it's it's a... It's a death spiral. Yeah. So, you know, like there's, there's, you can bring back old formula games like that and they, and they are, f- there is a fondness for them, particularly from older audiences and people who are familiar with that genre or that franchise from the past. You can bring back those old franchises and in a new current setting, in a modern game setting where we're used to different uh, gameplay modes and different, you know, sort of, styles of gameplay things that are maybe a bit slower maybe games that have more abilities more characters and stuff like that like it's interesting when you take one of those old systems and put it in but yeah one of our first sort of questions here is what about battle royale has helped it to stick around why isn't it the fad that people expected it to be and i guess what we're talking to when we say that is uh there are so many there, there were so many battle royales that were trying to prop, uh, pop up with the success of PUBG in 2017. Mm. Everyone was talking about how it was going really well. PUBG's going to fade into the distance. And Apex launched and it's got a really strong thing and it fades. And Fortnite's the biggest thing in the world and it's going to fade. It's going to go away one day. And I'm kind of thinking at the moment now that it's been so many years since that's happened. And they're still so dominant, I say, in terms of Twitch views and in terms of player numbers every day and in terms of revenue driven and generated i think i think they're here to stay yes yeah they are and i think it's i I think it's fascinating because like 
aside from PUBG, which I think is like, you know, PUBG's roots are in armor and Daisy and stuff and the, the one versus hundred mode in that, the battle royale mode in that. PUBG was the one that popularized the um, genre. Um, but it was, you know, like I, I think what it was is it was Fortnite was the one that really showed that you can bring it to other properties because, you know, like many, many years ago, Fortnite was a game called Save the World, which was a, a base building defensive horde mode. Well, can I say it wasn't called Save the World until they had the Battle Royale mode and they needed to rename well, what their core game was, which was just Fortnite. I, I want to say Save the World was their, was their initial tagline for the game back when right. they were showing it off at... When were they showing it off? They were showing it off oh, at an right. Apple event years ago. Like and, I, and I remember like, watching the reveal event. And it was like E3 in like 2015 or something like that. It was around for ages and then it kind of came out to a bit of a whimper. Well, it, it came out into beta, remember? Yeah. Like it, it, it didn't full release until after the Battle Royale mode existed as far as I can remember. Is that it was around still the same in time. early access? That game is no longer in development. No, do they still call Fortnite early access? Oh, I I do not think so. If they have, I I don't think they do anymore because it's it's been so long at that point. Like, what is early access? Yeah, yeah. And so, like, when when Epic announced that they were doing a battle royale mode, you know, you remember this as well because we were watching it at the time. Everyone was like, "Oh, they're copying PUBG." Remember that there was an immediate like, "Hey, PUBG's made in Unreal." And then Epic are using the things that PUBG made in Unreal to help make their own Battle Royale mode. And I think there was, were they, did they sue Epic or they, they were did. like planning on, yeah, because they were like, oh, like they're stealing or rather they're like, they're using our changes without our permission on their platform to yeah. help further their own thing. And it was like, a, it, it, there was a, there was, I think, legitimate reasons to, to take them to court because it's like how, I don't know if you know this, but Amazon, for example, they will look at the things that they get sold very highly on their store that are not made by them and then make the same thing but cheaper um, in-house. Right. That's like how Woolies and Coles do the same thing with their like home brand stuff. It's like, oh, people are buying yes. tofu. We're no longer going to sell this brand of tofu that everyone wants. You can only buy our stuff and you have to because yeah. you, you shop here. Yes. Yes. Which is incredibly um, anti-competitive behavior. Um and yeah, so then like when it exploded, there was like a lot of talk around like, hey, this, how long is this going to last for? Um, I think that talk went away when Fortnite started to do like Star Wars. Yeah. Right. That and when like when it was consistently the most played game. Like season like, after ever. season. Yeah. Um so, like, you know, it was was it the fad people expected it to be? Like, obviously not, because we're still talking about it. But, like, what is what is the future of Battle Royale, right? Like, where does it... Does it just... Like, does it reach anything other than where it is right now? Mm. Well, because you see, you see... You look at Fortnite, and Fortnite's a game that has never stopped iterating. They're, mm. they're, bringing, in, they're bringing in vehicles and planes and UFOs and cars, and then they bring in, like, a respawn system from Apex and... and Ping they, system and... Yeah, totally. And, like, I wouldn't be surprised if you can call in loadout drops like you can in Warzone. I, I don't know that for sure. I'm just... Like, they, that's what Fortnite does. They made that Among Us yeah. mode. Like, they just, they just throw in new shit constantly. 
and people don't like yeah. that. That's actually a bit of a turnoff. Um, but for for some people, it's it's great. Like they don't mind. They're happy to have a they're, new thing. They're making a no building phone. playlist. They're what? They're making a no building playlist. Really? Yeah. That's fascinating. Right. That seems late. Yes. <laughs> uh, that that's really interesting. Um. So, like, Fortnite keeps doing that, but I feel like it's kind of like Pokemon sort of, uh, like, Dynamax or X-Evolutions, you know what I mean? Where it's like, there's the new thing each season and then not enough people liked it that much and it won't work if they leave it in and keep adding stuff on top of the stuff they've added on top of. So, in out with the old, in with the new. Um, It's just this rotating carousel. And I, I honestly... You see, I think you see a lot more consistency inside of the Apex player base, where the changes they make are like, "Here's a new gun," right? Or and they made more sweeping changes at the start, like introducing Evo shields. But like, well, it's more th- they it's do more it in a different way. Yeah, like, and I think they do it in a different way where they know the Apex player base is probably a bit more volatile than Fortnite's because Fortnite has every platform in the world, um, and Apex has console on switch and i've got like the mobile version but is that like is that released um yeah and pc and sorry yeah and pc um and so they can they can do you know like all of the things that they have brought into the main game they have tested in um limited time game modes so they will put something in there see how well it works see the reaction if they want to bring it in they will adjust based on what they've shown uh, whereas Fortnite, they're willing to like really change it up and then just go completely back on it or just do it, do something else completely different almost immediately yep. to the point where like no, no two like months of Fortnite have ever been the fucking same. Yeah. It's, um, it's all about the novelty and the bright lights and the new skins and the, yeah. Yes. Which is like, you do wonder like how long can they keep doing that? Because yeah. like, it's, it's really hard to tell. Um, Whereas, yeah, like I don't think I don't think any other game can afford to do that, and I think that's because Fortnite's almost too big to fail. Yeah. I think it is too big to fail because you got to imagine how far in advance a company like Disney has their marketing pro- cross promotions built in. You know, I'm sure they have a Fantastic Four marketing deal already put in place with Fortnite for a movie that doesn't even have a release date yep. yet. And because they know that when they do these big changes, they add a Spider-Man, for example, they need to be able to go in and ha- they need the dev time to make Spider-Man work in Fortnite. They can't just dump it in last moment. They add mechanics. They add tons of new things. Mm-hmm. And that takes development time. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like, it's maybe the only game that's too big to fail at the moment. Yeah, it's a good point. So... And you, you touched on something there, which is the the scope of a battle royale game in terms of development. Um, and you know, coming back to the, this question, can a shooter be successful without a battle royale mode? My question, be like, sort of splitting off from that when we're talking about scope, is like, how many studios can afford to make a battle royale mode for their games? Like, it's it's hard. <laughs> it is hard. But I think maybe the other question is anybody that's making a studio, how can you like what how can you afford to not make a battle royale mode? Right. Right? Like can can you know, which is the larger which is the go back to the main question, like 
what shooters can succeed without one. Um, and there are use cases, like we have a couple examples here, like Valorant, like Rainbow Six Siege, like Counter-Strike. But those games are not the same shooters as a Battlefield, a Call of Duty, a Halo. Those games are slower. Those games are more tactical. Mm. And those games are a different audience to the to the Call of Duty and, and Halo audience, right? Like the Halo audience is a lot more... The, the, the barrier to entry is a lot lower, yep. I think. You have to sort of learn Siege. You have to learn Valorant. You have to learn yeah, Counter-Strike. They're very skill-based. Um, something else to point out as well, they're, 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 fundam- they're designed fundamentally from a pre-Battle Royale era, except for Valorant, but Valorant is pulling so heavily from Counter-Strike that I'm going to count it as a pre-Battle Royale game. Um, sure. So yeah, it like it's interesting, and, and it's and it's interesting they've kept their player base through all of the uh, the the tumult of the last seven to ten years um, mm. in the space. So when we when we look at we've got a, a, like a couple of categories of we just wrote down some franchises before. So we've got like examples of like arena shooters. We've got. Splitgate that came out last year. It's been in early access for a while. Yeah, Quake Champions that I mentioned before. Unreal Tournament from ages ago. Um, and then Halo Infinite's kind of... It is kind of more an arena shooter now than it ever has been. Um, I, it, it's in that category, though, I think. And we were talking about this before. Jeremy's sort of saying, like, an arena shooter, it's less about that sort of Twitch shooting of, like, an Unreal Tournament with, like, the Instagib and all of that and Quake, um, but more about, like, an equal playing field on the map and, you know weapon drops and that everyone can go and collect and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, then you've got your, your popular battle royales. You've got Call of Duty Wars, Warzone. You've got Apex Legends. You've got Fortnite. Um, and then, yeah, we've got these other multiplayer shooters. So stuff we just mentioned, like Siege and Counter-Strike and Valorant. Destiny's in there, which is in this really weird space of being an MMO. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Crucible is not really what most people rock up for Destiny for. Some people do; they're they're out there, but I would say it's it's a smaller proportion of the player base compared to the people who rock up for uh, strikes or raids, um, mm. or the or the the expansions. And then we've got others here like Battlefield twenty forty two. Does that have a battle royale? No, it doesn't. These right. are just multiplayer shooters, right? Yeah, no, I just I just didn't know if that actually launched the Battle Royale or not. No, it didn't. It had that like hazard that zone launched... that was like half Escape from Tarkov, half yeah. Battlefield, and people didn't really like yeah. it. No. Uh, so you've got core Call of Duty multiplayer, so, you know, 6v6 control and team deathmatch and kill confirmed and all of that classic stuff. Titanfall and Gears of War is another one I've got here. Um a lot of those games, you know, Battlefield, Call of Duty, Gears of War, were huge. And Halo, Halo's previous iterations to an extent were huge in like 2005, 2006, at the dawn of like the online multiplayer gaming sort of, you know, yeah. the start of Xbox ex- Live. Yeah, like the, 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 the online console boom. Yeah. And so, yeah, like all of those games, they, they worked then. And they, they were, those games were enough to capture the attention of you know, millions of YouTube views and people logging in to see clips and fails of the week and and new Forge maps for Halo and and new tactics for the new Call of Duty map and what a good loadout was and 
and uh, how, you know how to get these certain attachments in Battlefield and doing the Horde mode in Gears of War. Like all of that had legs, even although the content they offered was far less. Like you, you, you got a complete game when you bought it, right? You didn't. Yeah. They they updated it, and there was DLC and stuff like that. But you got what you got when you bought it. Yeah, it was by and large like this is it. Yeah. Whereas nowadays, when a when a game launches, you're seeing the best they could get as quick as they could get it out. Like this is like the the minimum they could do before it could start making money, and that's when they release it. Which is why when yeah. Apex came out, it had a really strong like three weeks and nosedived relatively it, it kept its audience well enough to survive but it really plummeted and had to fight its way back to its original success in order to succeed it yeah um and now it's one of ea's most successful games like right now mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um and you know like games like especially multiplayer games like they launch with roadmaps um and that's because it, it's it, you know, the, the games as a service thing is like, you know, weaseled its way into almost everything at this point where you need to know the future of the game. And I'm going to say the word, unfortunately, um, that brings into its like wealth almost. Like it shows off like its quality level because sometimes you look at a game like, uh, like say Halo Infinite, did that launch with a roadmap? It, did didn't it or like it sort of but kind of like a roadmap of delays you know like first season is going to be six months long and forge is going to be another six months after that and and like that's the first time halo was launched with a roadmap and that's the first time i've looked at it and went oh this doesn't look very good how are they going to support this game and that that breaks my brain that i'm thinking that because in the past like halo launching was enough yeah um and part part of it is because Halo launch like sort of lighter than it ever has in the past. Yeah. But the other half is because you know we're in this consumption era of of online games, especially with battle royale, because they they are the the popular the the popularizer of multiplayer seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, that I suddenly need to know how long the game is going to last for. And I hate that about me. <laughs> and they did this to me. <laughs> the industry did this to... They broke me, right? They've conditioned you. They have. And it's so sad. Yeah, it, it is really... It's fascinating, isn't it? That sort of churn for new content and that... I feel gross about it. And I actively try and fight against it. Hmm. Like, I, I try and look for what it is as a thing because I I hate that I've got this obsession that everybody is has been you know conditioned to look for which is like the the forwardness of the game mm-hmm. but like like it, it's partly be- it's partly because that's how they all are and it's also partly because like and i and i, I mean this not as a like not as a slight but a, as a games are launching now with maybe less active content than they ever have because they know they can promise more after the fact yeah they they're coming in hot is, much more frequently which is a, a an impact of, you know, one, COVID, not that it wasn't happening before COVID, but two, because games are now getting harder and harder to make and also three, publishers know they can get away with it. Yeah. It's, um, 
yeah, it's fascinating that, that how monetizable the battle royale mode is. I guess is what's kept yeah. it so prevalent because it's so beneficial for a publisher if they have the resources to put one out that's decent. Uh, you know, it's within their best interest to make sure they can do so. Um, something you pointed out before we started this when we were sort of defining our sort of subtopics here was the the games that tend to last the longest tend to have a similar audience alongside it on Twitch, a group of people that when they're not playing it, they want to watch it, or maybe they don't have a rig to play it, or they don't have friends to play with, so they watch people play with their friends instead, or they play and they wish they were better, so they watch people play. Like, it's this sort of insular thing. I, I love watching Apex content. Like, and sure. I go in fits and spurts, everyone does every now and then, and then I come back and it's like, oh, wow, look at the shots they were pulling off. And you know it's getting bad when I start dreaming about sniping an Apex because that's that's my, like, that's that's the top of the mountain for me. If I can yeah. get some, if I can hit some sick sniper shots in Apex, <laughs> that's what I want, right? And when I watch yeah. a video of someone doing that, I'm like, oh, I want to do that. I wish <laughs> I could do that. I'm going to watch people do that more. And then maybe when I jump in the game and don't put any effort into making this happen myself, I'll be able to do that. Yeah. So the, the relation, I, I think the relationship between Twitch and, and a successful shooter these days, I think it tends to be the skill-based shooters because all of these games that are, that are still popular, Fortnite's skill ceiling is so high with the building system and Apex has really got a, a lot that you can learn and a lot that you can master as well. All of these, Call of Duty Warzone, is, well, it, that's kind of just like cadent, like really raw Call of Duty, just like really fast time to kill so many players. Like there's loot, like yeah. there's go, 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 go. there's vehicles and there's drops and there's, there's gas. So and much of that. Like like Warzone is so intense. It's just like yeah. IV Call of Duty into into the veins. Oh, it 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 really is. I felt so fucking overwhelmed when I was <laughs> when I played like the five games of Warzone. It, it didn't help that everyone around me was dressed up as fucking Rambo and and, <laughs> and Bruce and, Willis and John McClane from fucking Die Hard. So that was absurd. So yeah, like the the games that can pull you in where you you play and then you stop playing and you want to watch people playing and then when you've done watching people playing you want to start playing again. Well, it feeds into what we we're just talking about, right? That sort of endless it is. consumption. It's the same thing. Yeah. And that's why I think, you know, some of the other, I think that's why Halo has, you know, loosely failed to grab a, 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 a genuinely large audience because it doesn't have those things that people go to watch the game for much. Yeah, it's got, it's got high skill play, but like that's kind of it. On the same 10 maps and with the same 15 weapons... Not that many skins. Yeah, but it, it it doesn't it doesn't feed itself to like the the forever consumption of watching Twitch mm. because you were going to see similar things frequently, but it's it's not a it, it, it you're not going to see the high level plays like you do that are similar frequently like you would in a Counter Strike or a Valorant or a Siege. Whereas those those are the high, those are, you're going to see similar types of plays 
because that arena style is like everyone starts with the exact same thing and if you're the best, you'll come out on top sort of thing. Yeah. It's the same thing in Halo, but the skill ceiling is way lower. And so you don't get that exciting moments in in Twitch where you... Oh, sorry, in Twitch. In, in Valorant or in Siege where you don't have to have that high level of knowledge to understand what's going on and still appreciate what's going on, mm. which, which is why those games, I think, do really well on Twitch. You know, something I'm noticing between these games, not just Valorant, Counter-Strike, Siege, but also Battle Royales, the stakes are so much higher. Yes. Everyone's got one life in a round. Sometimes you can get bought back in Battle Royales, but, you know, for the most part. When you're yep. watching a Halo match, it's, if someone gets like a, if someone gets like a quad kill, whatever they call that, a, the yeah, uh, I don't remember what they call that. The, the particular o- Halo overkill. Match. Overkill, right? Um, you know, if someone gets an overkill in Halo, like that's impressive. But what's really impressive in Halo is when they get like a Kilimanjaro or something like that, and that's ridiculous. Like getting, yep. getting like ten kills in. What, like 40 seconds or something like that? That's absurd. But Yeah, Killionaire. Killionaire, right. But then Call of Duty, like, or rather Battle Royale with Warzone, Apex, every kill is, is nail-biting because you don't know when the next team's going to arrive. You don't know. You, you've got to make sure you heal up. You've got to make sure you're, you're, you're managing your resources. Um, and even with something like Siege and Counter-Strike, you know, you can have those moments where it gets set up to, to have a clutch round, you know, where the, you've got the 1v5s and you plant the bomb and you know roughly where they're going to be coming from, but if you don't nail your shots, it doesn't matter where you know where they're coming from. And they know where you are, yeah. so you have to be better and you have to manage it and you have to perform. And and it and it ends in those, whoa, did you see that? That's ridiculous. And it ends in, you don't get that in Halo. No, you don't. You get like, oh, um, nice shot. That was really cool. But like, yeah. it's so much more muted. Yes. Like, I remember when we first started playing PUBG, we had that moment of like, I've never felt so anxious. I've never had a an, an intense moment as intense as when I was, you know, when I had my first fucking PUBG win, right? Or my first like final round of PUBG because it is really, really intense. Do you remember um, how many weeks we spent running away from gunshots in PUBG? Because mm. it's like, oh, this fighting, we've got to go the other way. We've got so much good gear and we're going to get screwed if we get into a fight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, it's, it, it, it's, it's a different feeling and it's a, it's a less competitive feeling, I think is the issue mm. for these games to go on Twitch. And I think that's really hard because Twitch a lot of the time is a barometer for how well a game is doing. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, Halo Infinite already has, like, um, competitive leagues in the game. They've already got esports uh, teams who they've set up their own Halo Infinite squads and stuff like that. And they, they can pull off some amazing things. And the game is set up in a way to f- facilitate that competitive esports play. And, I like, I, I could see that being appealing. But it is really... It's, it's like... I don't know. I feel like it's... It's like watching a really it I'm trying to think of it in terms of sports, right? Like compared mm-hmm. to watching like a soccer match where everyone's off their feet and riding at the end when the ref called something bloody whatever, compared to someone going to watch like like croquet. Competitive golf. <laughs> yeah, competitive golf. Like the skill is there. You can see it. It's very impressive. But 
it just doesn't pull the same reaction. It doesn't pull yeah. in. You're not as invested, even when you're playing it, even when you're watching it. There's something about it there that isn't pulling that same visceral response. So this this sort of this blends into another question as well. So games that are on Twitch, a lot of these ones that do well, a lot of them are also free to play. Yes. Can a shooter survive these days if it's not free to play? I uh, I think, think the answer is no. I agree. And Halo knew that to their credit. The multiplayer the suite is entirely free, which is great. Yeah. Which is why it's still a bit concerning that their audience has dropped off so sharply. Um but I immediately think of Gears of War 5 coming out a few years ago. Because when it, when it did, it kind of came out with a whimper. And um, stuff like Battlefield 2042, like when they announced that it was premium and it was multiplayer only, that it was a full price game, you know, a lot of people had their concerns and it turns out they were right. Yeah. But like their concerns would also have been valid if the game had also been good. And it wasn't. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know what would have been worse for Battlefield, actually, if people didn't have to buy it and it was mediocre or what ended up happening, which is people had to buy it and it was okay. You know what I mean? Like, if, if it was mediocre and free to play, like, it would have been forgotten faster than it was, I want to say. But because right. people had to buy in, they kind of bought in and they gave it as much a go as they could. Yeah, yeah. That said, you know, there's definitely been hints that they're looking at converting it to free-to-play as soon as they can um, yeah, to try and salvage their development in this game. I don't, I don't see that not happening in the next three months, honestly. Yeah. So, Jeremy, what can does a shooter free be... mean? Well, I feel like we kind of spoke about that with the... Ha- yeah. You know, what does free mean and seasons pass, season passes and stuff like that. Um, like, we, yeah, we kind of spoke about that how the, the monetization sort of drives these games and how almost infinitely monetizable they are. Um, yeah. You know, when you say it like that, of course, developers are putting more time into it. But can a shooter be successful without a battle royale mode? A non-competitive shooter? No. At the moment. A non-ultra competitive... I, I, th- I, think, I think what what a, what a battle royale can do to a shooter is give it a level of stakes that I think people are desperately wanting now. They right. want the high energy. They want the, you know, the really intense moments that standard 4v4, 8v8, 6v6 shooting can't give you mm-hmm. or at least doesn't give you in the same micro-dosing yeah. that a 1v, a, a one team versus one team or 1v1 in a battle royale ever will yep. or consistently does rather, I think is, is, is more pertinent. Um, you know, we've seen Valorant come and exist and create its own space post the battle royale movement of shooters. But that's also because every, like those games are slow. Those games are intense those are highly competitive games the one that we've sort of not spoken about much because i think neither of us are really that familiar with it is tarkov and i think that's because like that game also exists in that space of it's a really intense game it's a really really nail-biting white knuckle game yeah the stakes are definitely there the state like that game has stakes in spades in its own way 
And so I think what the Battle Royale does, it opens it up to the more casual shooter uh, spaces and gives it that in, that intensity that people didn't realize they wanted. Yeah. That just, they can they can get their fix, right? You know when, here's, here's I think how it works. When we play a game of Apex or any Battle Royale and we go five matches without getting in the top five, we get antsy because we're here to feel really intense and yeah. have those moments. And when we don't get them, I think it's genuine withdrawal. Um, oh my that God, we're you're here, right. That, that we're here for. I get grumpy. Yeah. Yeah, you're and right. And it's because we're not, we're not getting what we're after. No. And we know it's our fault, even though we've been conditioned to want that. And also, like, with the, with the thousands of people you play with each, each night, if you play a long session, like, there's no way... Yeah. There's, like, statistically, there's no way you're going to come out on top every time mm. or even half the time. And I want to say, you know, like, it's, it's maybe dropped off a little bit recently because I've been playing it as much, but, like, it, it used to be, like, I would probably at least get top two or maybe win a game every play session, which was maybe about 10 or so matches, maybe. And the one time I got two wins in a row, elation. Mm. Complete, you know, I was on a higher plane of existence and I think because I was genuinely high, I was like a level of like there was the, the level the of dopamine. dopamine that was running through my brain had brought me to the fucking astral plane, <laughs> um, and that's scary. Yeah, it is. Like when we talk about it like this, I'm kind of like, huh? Drugs. Maybe I'll <laughs> maybe I take a break from Apex. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe I will just spend 120 hours in Mass Effect for the next few months. Maybe that maybe that's a better use of my time. I had that I had that thought when I said the word microdosing earlier, because um, you're microdosing intensity, um, which I think is I gotta like I gotta I gotta I gotta touch some grass. Yeah, I know, right? Like, are we are we just talking ourselves out from ever playing Apex ever again right now? I th- it's it's about healthy boundaries, you know. Yeah, like, no, and it's and it's it's it is, but it's also designed this way. Maybe, maybe, maybe Halo is the healthy shooter. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of that. And I had to say it's, it. <laughs> it's um, <laughs> it's diet, it's diet shooter. <laughs> it's 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 therapy for an overstimulated age. Yeah, it's you know they come out with like you know Pepsi Light or whatever. Yeah, except it's it's uh, Halo is light, except it's light on content. <laughs> oh, yeah, it really is. The vegan option. And nothing wrong with the vegan option. Not not at all. Oh, I am I'm kind of coming away from this feeling a bit more harrowed than I thought I would. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. We we like we we actually really. It, Spooked ourselves. Yeah, we examined these things that we said we would, and it was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> what is the solution? We should all install Escape from Tarkov. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> I, I couldn't think of something I want to do less than, than, than install Escape from Tarkov. That, that game is inscrutable. Yeah.
Yep. And speaking like speaking of level playing field, that definitely isn't that either. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh well, everyone, let us know whether you were as harrowed by this discussion as we were. Um I'm going to I want to go home and rethink my life as as a sound, dead sound six. off in the comments with your with your addiction. <laughs> uh but yeah, I think that's about it. Any closing thoughts on that one, Jeremy? Or are we just going to kind of leave it with a bit of existential dread? No, existential dread is what we have. Because we don't have an answer. It just is how no. it is. Yeah. Oh, God. Well. I hope the kids are all right. Yeah. I'm not. No. No, but we, we've seen both sides. What are, the, what are the kids doing that have only experienced this? Who have only experienced Fortnite. Yeah. Not even not even like Apex, like Fortnite. <laughs> With it. Oh my god. I I couldn't I couldn't imagine. Well, everyone, let us know about your existential and capitalistic dread uh on Twitter. Uh you could tweet any of us. Uh I'm there at KJ Palmer underscore twenty four. Jeremy's there as well. Uh under the bed hiding. <laughs> <laughs> under the bed hiding. Uh you can also follow the minimap account there, get a little notification. Um Every time, or rather, we put out a tweet every time we uh, we put out a new podcast, along with a little clip of what uh, that podcast episode is about, or a funny moment from that from that week. Maybe this week will be about uh, Jeremy <laughs> talking about the assassination of JFK. We'll see. Um, uh, if you want to support the show, you can go to minimap.com. You can find all of our episodes there. You can rate the show positively on whatever podcast service you choose uh, to get your podcasts on. You can also support us monetarily on patreon.com slash minimapau uh, if you have the funds, if you have the, the the will, if you want to do that for us, that's that's an option for you. Um, five bucks. Five bucks. Oh, we just reworked it, didn't we, Jeremy? Yeah. I totally forgot about that. What's what's the what's the brief rundown on that? What did we change? Uh it's a flat five bucks. It helps support us, helps keep the lights on. Yep. You get a couple of outtakes that are around, but it's it's primarily just a support thing, uh, as well as if you have a, a question you want us to ask, um, you can submit it there and we can we can give it a read. Yep, totally. So yeah, we sort of uh, we we made our Patreon with quite lofty goals, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, but no. uh, it was it was definitely to the point where we needed we, to. We uh, reined it in. Yeah, we reevaluated, and uh, you know we're happy to do that again in the future as well. But yeah. Go have a look if you're if you're interested. If not, we'll be here for you anyway. Uh, until next week, uh, enjoy Horizon Forbidden West, and we'll be back next week with our the Elden Ring on the Elden Ring on the Elden Ring. George Railroad Martin's the Elden Ring. <laughs> George Railroad <laughs> Martin. <laughs> but you know, last week I said George Martin. It's because I would. It's because I didn't want to use kind of funny's joke of George Railroad Martin. That's a Greg Millerism. <laughs> it's a good one, right? <laughs> it's great. Uh, thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you then. <laughs>